0: Welcome to Parent Tech Allies, where we share insights from the movers and shakers shaping the field of parent support from fertility through the teen years. I'm your host, Carly Buxton. Let's get started. Today I'm so pleased to welcome Irene Liu. She is the CEO and co-founder of ChiO, which offers Eastern food therapy and nutritional science for body, mind, and motherhood. Thank you so much for being here, Irene. Thanks for having me, Carly. I want to start out by if you could just describe the problem that you are solving with Chio. Tell us a little bit about that problem, how you found that it was a problem, and why you decided to Mm -hmm. attack it.
1: Yeah. So I'll start off with my background, if that's okay, because I think that will explain how I found myself in this space. Um, My interest area has always been in nutrition education and healthy food access, and so that was what I pursued in every which way before starting this company. I worked in private sector working as much as I could on, you know, CPG companies, understanding retail, supply chain, Um, but then also worked at a nonprofit on the South side of Chicago, setting up mobile grocery routes um, to solve for food deserts. And so that was actually where I thought I was going to spend my career in food policy and, you know, improving healthy food access. Um, But then during COVID, my aunt had a baby and during COVID, I think a lot of issues that were previously invisible became visible. Um, and so I happened to be home. I saw her, her go through her you know, prenatal, her postpartum journey, how the stages were ever changing, how her symptoms were always changing. And she was always Googling on what to do about those symptoms. Um, when she went to her ob there's there was really not really time <laughs> or answers for how to help mitigate some of those symptoms. Um, and like when you look at nutrition research online, it's really confusing. There's so much conflicting information, um, and so for me, coming from this nutrition background, um, I was like, "This is crazy! Like, why isn't there a you know a source that makes navigating the nutrition more?" more helpful, more um, intuitive, but also that adapts to how your body is changing through these different changes and through these different symptoms. Um, And my family's from Taiwan. And so in Taiwan, and a lot of, you know, Eastern Asia, there's a whole practice around how you care for a woman during, particularly postpartum, but also in the prenatal and fertility period, um, and using more of a nutrition regimen for, you know, how they they believe that your body is changing through these different stages that I think hasn't been addressed as much in the U.S., especially in more preventive care. Um, And so I thought, how do we make this more personalized for each woman's individual journey and more accessible over time so that, you know, it's not for only high-income families that can afford a nutritionist and a, you know, personal chef to actually finish the last mile of it.
0: Wow. So, what did you ultimately launch? Tell us a little bit about yeah. the first iteration yeah. of Chio. How how similar is that to what we would see today? If we
1: yeah. Um, yeah. So, where we started. So, I knew postpartum specifically was a period that women weren't feeling supported and where there was better options in um, Taiwan where my family's from. And so my co-founder is a nutritionist, um, focused on the fertility through postpartum phase, but also was a private postpartum chef previously for, you know, high income families. Um, And we basically just took what she was doing and uh, piloted ramping that up uh, for 10 families in New York um, as a pilot, just to get feedback on, you know, the meals, on, you know, the different configurations, how it was impacting their body and their recovery afterwards. Um, And I had originally thought that it was going to be a pilot and it was going to end in five weeks. And then I'd kind of think about it, make sure that it was kind of a problem that was um, big enough to, pursue and really build into a business. Um, Because I was also in graduate school, actually, during this time. So I saw two years of graduate school. Uh, And kind of miraculously, what ended up happening is after our five-week pilot, um, we kind of closed up shop for uh, what we thought would be at least a month, if not longer, to really work on R&D for the product, for me to fundraise, to do it properly. Um, And That December, we became the first organic Google search result when you looked for postpartum meals or pregnancy meals in New York. And this is just based off of this Shopify website that I had built, uh, kind of plugging in my own uh, words, not, you know, nothing professional. Um, And so we got thousands of dollars in pre-orders from families in new york that december and so my co-founder and i were like oh my gosh you know like they're newly postpartum mothers we can't just leave them in the dark we can't ship it to them later we have to figure this out now um and so by january of 2021 so literally like three weeks later we had found ourselves in a shared kitchen hired some chefs that were out of work because of covid and our priority for the first year and a half was just ship the product um because you know once that kind of influx from um, the organic Google search came about. We also were featured in New York Times and Bon Appetit within our first quarter, which really showed the cultural momentum, you know, ahead of us, um, especially because my co-founder and I are both working on it still part time. Uh, mm-hmm. And so we really didn't have time to like think further other than ship the product for the first year and a half. Um, but I think I was already starting to think, okay, like what would make this Company meaningful uh, to build, and where not just solving this, like, you know, smaller area of postpartum, but also, like, where is the gap, especially for my background, um, you know, between income levels and, you know, you know, how do we make this more inclusive? And so, for us, like, my big goal is around accessibility around our product. And so, finding kind of what the path is to get there. And um, we have since now fundraise and are building out a digital platform all around personalized nutrition for the women's health journey.
0: So I've heard you tell the story before about ranking on Google and so I knew it but I think about it all the time and I want to dig into it a little bit more because I would hate for people who listen to this to think oh my gosh you have to get lucky Mm -hmm. you know and I think that there that there's a way to hear that story and be like, ah, if only that would happen to my mm-hmm. business, you know, it would be a huge success. But the truth is, I think that there was a lot of art behind what happened, or at least being ready so that when you were the first Google result, you had a system in place to take pre-orders. Mm-hmm. I mean, could you tell us a little bit about, yes, the Google gods worked in your favor, but what kind of systems did you have in place to make that good luck turn into something that was a total launch pad for your business?
1: Yeah, um, I think the things that we did well was I had set us up on Shopify already, so at least you could process payments. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. that was important. Um, And kind of we figured it out as we went. I will say, like, you know, truthfully, it was lucky that we became the first organic Google search result, but it's been a lot of hard work since then, building out our operations and Mm. uh, being able to scale to serve more families versus, you know, serving 10 families is extremely different from 100 versus 1000, etc. And so for us, I think that every business looks different, but we, we kind of struck a lucky chord initially, and then a lot of the hard, gritty work came right after that. Um, Mm -hmm. And so for, I think for us, we kind of discovered a white space. I think that was what the kind of search ranking showed us. Um, But with that white space came more challenge around like actually building a company that both can scale efficiently because it is still a perishable food product But then also understand that there's natural churn with our customers and so how do you build that Mm -hmm. into a sustaining business um especially if you need investors to you know get to the next level which i knew that we did
0: what what has been your answer to that to that churn in this industry
1: yeah um i mean i think for us that's why with postpartum like one we have to be well one you have to have a really great product because like if you are getting them in the door and churning them before kind of like the full program, for example, like for us, it's the six week program, um, then you're just going to have a leaky bucket. And so for us, it was like making sure the product is really good. And that's both from the actual delivery of the meals that they're consuming, but then the full experience of like, what does it feel like to, um, you know, text with our Chio concierge? Um, what, how does the language make you feel when you're, you know, signing up for our program and how do we build excitement around a time that can be quite anxious uh, when there's a lot of conflicting information online. Um, and so we've thought about that full experience is number one. And then two, um, being really kind of small tests around uh, distribution channels. And so even though we start as D2C, like, you know, with our organic Google search, um, I just personally believe that, Longer term, you need more sustaining distribution um, that, you know, comes in the form of working with birth practitioners. So our midwives, doulas, lactation consultants, etc., who are all really great advocates for us. Um, and then also working with a number of women's health clinics. So, you know, ob clinics, fertility clinics, um, so that we are being really efficient about where we kind of get in front of our patients.
0: Tell us a little bit about how you approach those conversations when you have something that you want to bring to say a fertility clinic like what's the initial outreach look like is it on linkedin is it via Mm -hmm. email oh how do you dive into those conversations get them to trust you and be interested and then actually move to a contract type agreement yeah
1: yeah um i think for us and how i think about these types of like Any type of partnership is how do you create surround sound and so you want them to to basically make the conversion easier um so for example like i try to get a pathway from a customer or not even customer a patient in this situation Mm -hmm. um and so for example like we've gotten some referrals into fertility clinics from actual patients who have used us or you know our our investors or whatever it is Um, and so that's like one pathway but then also that they have read about us in different press and so we're very um kind of strategic about the story that we tell with press like it's not just a you know postpartum meal program it's like what how do we want to support wholly the woman's health journey um and being seen as a thought leader in specifically nutrition for these different stages and symptoms um and so it's both both being able to see Kind of top down and bottom up from these partnerships, so that they understand our value and what we can bring that can be, you know, synergistic with what
0: they're doing. Um, I often think companies expand in this space when they realize about the churn, or when they when they see related problems in this field, that they often expand to not just say like postpartum, but maybe all women's health or. Different challenges that people have that can be treated with changes in nutrition. Is mm-hmm. that something that y'all are exploring as well? Yeah,
1: I think we um, are focused on being a women's health specific nutrition company, um, but that means what are the different life stages for a woman that is distinct? And so, uh, you know, fertility, prenatal, postpartum, eventually menopause. Um, but I think about kind of doing those uniquely well first before, you know, thinking about other types of chronic diseases, which, you know, nutrition is helpful in mm-hmm. all, all types of health.
0: I want to ask a little bit more about you and your co-founder. Um, so it's really interesting to me that you're both grounded in nutrition or food. And then it sounds like she had an experience as a nutritionist slash postpartum chef. So like very well aligned to the business that you Built initially and are continuing to build. When I think of two people deeply rooted in the same thing, you know, I often think, "Oh gosh, how do they cover the other grounds mm-hmm. of running a business?" Could you talk a little bit about how either how you met each other or yeah. um, decided to take the leap of working together, and then how you balance things when you have similar skill sets? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Um, so to clarify, like I, <laughs> I have an interest in nutrition and healthy food access. But that's not where my training is. So, like okay. I, you know, worked at Bain. I was a consultant before doing all types of, you know, strategy and operations for Fortune 500 companies. Um, worked in nonprofit. Also worked in city government. Um, and so I come from much more. And also I have, you know, an MBA and a master's in public policy. So like I kind of span more of like the business side versus my co-founder is very much more of like the clinical nutrition expert. Um and so actually given that our roles are pretty clear. Um, so I do, you know, all types of like the business strategy setting, like figuring out how to do structure strategic partnerships, figuring out like operations efficiency, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and my co-founder obviously has helped a lot with that, especially when we we're early and all hands are everywhere. Um, but her kind of focus area is more around, you know, the actual nutrition expertise the product R&D, um, you know, creating more content uh, with our strategic partners. Um, and so does that answer your question? They are,
0: yeah. yeah. Yeah, but even so, I mean, like, I knew you went to business school and I knew that like this emerged while you were still a student, but you cover so much ground when it comes to branding and like technology. Mm-hmm. And well, maybe have you filled out your team yet? Like, who has been your first hire, or who will be your first hire? Where are you seeing places where you think, gosh, I either don't have the bandwidth, or I I need to rely on somebody else's expertise here.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, we have filled out our team mostly. We on the branding side, I think. I think the benefit is that even though neither of us came from a branding. Background: We had a pretty strong sense of what we wanted the brand to stand for, um, mm-hmm. and how we wanted it to make people feel. And so, because we had that already, then we were able to work with, um, you know, some contractors who are really talented, uh, but do the branding in a very scrappy way. Um, and then, in terms of, you know, the operation side or the technology side, um, I think, I think I, you know, have a large network from all of these different places that I've worked. Um, And so, you know, the founder community is, I think, very generous. And so I've gotten a lot of referrals that way. Um, So we do have a fractional CTO um, who's great and helps with our digital build. um, And we, you know, have a really talented team. It took some trials and errors uh, on the operations side that help um, make sure everything is streamlined and, you know, the product is going out and we're making improvements as we go. Um, and by product, I mean the physical product. Um, Mm -hmm. and so I think all of those, you know, we've filled out our team to help. It was very painful before we had the team because Jennifer and I were just like figuring things out as we went. Um, I think typically like as a consultant, I'm very used to, you know, figuring out who to talk to as quickly as possible, Mm -hmm. what matters. And then execute quickly. Um, and so I think the benefit that we've had is that we're able to iterate and learn quickly and figure out what matters.
0: Yeah. yeah. Tell me a little bit about your target user and how you see that changing in the future. I mean, I know you talked about how you don't want Chio to be something that's you know either a nice to have or something that only people who are paying out of pocket can afford. Tell us a little bit about how you're pursuing ways to expand your usership
1: Mm -hmm. yeah our our target customer currently um oftentimes is a working professional um you know start either you know a first-time mother or a second-time mother uh but probably someone who already you know believes that preventive health is important and probably you know exercises already um you know Believes in healthy eating might not always have the time to do it in the way that they'd like to. And so, what we provide is basically um, kind of helping relieve that burden of trying to figure it out all on their own um, and helping them feel better throughout their whole journey um, so that they can succeed in all the other ways that their lives are so full for. Um, and I think that is who we serve today. Um, and they've been really amazing advocates for us. And I think actually are so aligned with wanting us to be more accessible because they also recognize that we are an expensive product and that they, you know, fortunately are able to afford it, but not everyone can. Um, and so going forward, I think how I think about accessi- accessibility is working with. Um, employers to, for example, add this as a benefit for new parents um, or long, long term pie in the sky dream um, is, you know, having this as a medically tailored meal reimbursement from insurance um, mm-hmm. coverage um, or medical nutritional group therapy reimbursement. And so those are the ones that longer term we're looking towards, but then it's more of a B2B um, type of relationship because I, yeah. I think I believe that like everyone would want this if they, if you can make the cost work.
0: Yeah. I mean, my own take on that is that the medically tailored meal or insurance reimbursement is actually not as pie in the sky as you might originally think if you're just like listening to this. Mm-hmm. And almost in my in my own experience, you know, running the company that we run, it has been more fruitful to seek reimbursement and the medical angle than it has been to try to posit what we offer as an employer benefit.
1: Mm, interesting.
0: Have you have you felt the same way or like what or has has conversation building with employer on the employer side been fruitful for you? Like, how do you feel about how benefits for employee employees in sort of a more niche space, how have you navigated that and how have you found success?
1: Yeah. Um, So I think on the employer side, it's something that literally everyone tells us all the time. Like it'd be amazing if my employer, Um, and so it's both been a function of our own customers being like, I work at X company, like, you know, Mm -hmm. can we, you know, send it around to our HR team? Um, I think the challenge actually on the employer side has been more that, employers don't want to be managing like 500 small vendors. And so plugging into one of their benefits platforms that they are already using, um, which we're in conversation with a few of them, especially on the women's health side. Um, So that's kind of how we see the employer track. And then for insurance, I think um, for us, it's been more that we need more efficacy data um, in order to prove, you know, for specific, indications. Um, yeah, yeah. so it's more of a, it's more of a not never, but we need to do some things to set the infrastructure first.
0: Yeah. Longer term. Uh, yeah. Um, when it comes to, you know, accessibility, accessibility, affordability, tell us a little bit about how you have determined your pricing.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I think it's, kind of all all the ways of like, you know, looking at competitive set from other, you know, more tailored types of nutrition programs that cover the breadth that we do at the quality that we do as well. And so that was kind of like one kind of data set that we looked at. So like, how do we compare across people like at our kind of level of nutrition program? And then um, then also looking at, okay, does this make sense from a cost perspective for us? Can we make the gross margin that we need to, to make this business work, you know, with this price point. Um, And then that's another input. And then I think the third input is like, how, what, what price point do customers expect to pay? So like what feels reasonable across all the different ways that they might be comparing us. For example, you know, eating out is a proxy, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, getting a lower price meal plan is a proxy um, or, you know, hiring a personal chef is a proxy. And so figuring out like where in that puzzle do we fit in that? And then being able to justify the pricing based on that as well.
0: I can certainly vouch for the white space that you are filling. I mean, I think back to when I was pregnant with my second child, it was 2020 and I read Hung O's book mm-hmm. about, days, which is, which is now my number one recommended book as a doula that Mm -hmm. I give or recommend to postpartum companies. And I searched in my own area and there was nothing, Mm -hmm. um, you know, maybe hiring a personal chef, but how do you look at expansion? You know, for the people like Carly who are in Richmond, Virginia, how are you thinking about that next phase so that everybody who wants to have access to your offerings can Mm -hmm.
1: yeah so there's um there's like a accessibility in terms of price and then in terms of distribution and so i I think we talked about the price side how we get there in terms of distribution we actually already ship nationwide um and how i think about expansion going forward is basically in specific areas where we have you know a high enough density of um our community that we might then open up a local kitchen so like one that we've considered is um you know we have one of our operations is in new jersey right now we've kind of started the process to look into um somewhere in southern california as well as well as potentially somewhere in the midwest um because i i still believe that being able to have a local presence is really helpful and important and a, and a way
0: to give back to the community as well mm-hmm. Wow. Um, Well, I love knowing that you're shipping nationwide. I think there are so many people who could benefit and get really excited about what you're offering to the world. So I think that's fantastic. And I'm looking forward to the growth that's ahead for you. I wanted to ask um, now, as we kind of close, maybe what are you looking for? What kind of collaborations are you looking for right now? What, What could our listeners do for you that might help you mm-hmm. based on what you're facing right now?
1: Yeah. Um, I think for us, we're always looking to connect with, um, our practitioner community. So, you know, anyone who supports the woman's health, um, journey. So, you know, midwives, doulas, OB-GYNs, nutritionists, um, who can join our, uh, CHIO collective, uh, which has a bunch of you know different ways to get involved help with our product r&d um and you know obviously tell Cheo uh, or tell their patients about cio um so that's one and then two we are looking to partner with more um clinics with physical location so you know that's the obgyn clinics that's the fertility clinics even um pt clinics and so um any, any referrals there,
0: we would love to connect. Great. And how how could someone find out more about the Chio Collective, for example?
1: Yeah, so we have on our website, there's um, a link on the footer for our uh, practitioner program, but then um, you can always email partnerships at wearechio.com.
0: Okay, perfect. Um, anything that you'd like to conclude with in terms of founders who might be listening, we'd love to hear your advice when it comes to building a business in this industry?
1: Yeah. Um, I think for me, what's been really helpful is like, just staying close to your customer. Um, I think you hear so much noise especially when you're fundraising about you know this is too niche like how are you going to expand it's going to be too expensive etc etc and i think for us anytime things have gone hard we always like go back to being like okay like what does the customer need like they are the most important and Mm -hmm. centering your decisions around that not around all the noise that you're hearing
0: It's a great way to end. Thank you so much, Irene, for joining us today. I'll be sure to drop the link to your website, wearechio.com, so that people can look you up, learn more about the business, and keep spreading the word. Thank you so much.
1: Thanks, Carly.
0: And thank you for joining us on Parent Tech Allies, brought to you by Nestle. Take the parenting quiz at nestle.com and get matched with the expert, company, nonprofit, or resource that you could use most right now in your parenting journey. It's free, so give it a try at nestle.com.